From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Amanda Icon. It's been a rocky four years for the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Known as the PCAOB, the audit regulator endured a scandal and a leadership shakeup that created what a recent report described as a climate of fear and mistrust. It seemed no one was happy. Investors, lawmakers, and consumer groups had all called for leadership changes at the board, saying it had lost its focus on investors. Now, the PCAOB is set for yet another slate of leaders to come in and make their mark. The Securities and Exchange Commission removed the board's chair, William Dunkey, last month and called for candidates to fill all five board seats. For now, the board is under temporary leadership and has already pivoted from at least one Dunkey-era policy, a controversial plan to restructure its advisory groups. The regulator was created to restore trust in corporate accounting after the Enron scandal in the early 2000s. Its mission is set out in the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to deliver financial reporting that investors could rely on. It sets standards for how public company audits should be done, and it inspects the work of auditors to ensure they follow those rules. In short, the board is a watchdog for the watchdogs. To discuss what this latest shakeup will mean for the PCAOB and auditors, I spoke to Lynn Turner and Dan Gelzer. Turner is a former chief accountant for the SEC and the architect of key provisions of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. He was among those who sought the recent leadership changes. Gelzer is a former chief counsel at the SEC and one of the founding PCAOB members. He currently serves on the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. I want to start with timing. We've had this big shakeup in leadership at the PCAOB. The SEC is looking for some fresh candidates to serve on this board. How long might it take for this board to be fully up and running again? I mean, when you factor in applications, interviews, announcements, swearing in. Dan, maybe you can start us off. Well, I don't think I can give a specific answer, but I think I would say I hope it's short, but I fear it could be long. And the main reason I hope it's short is because of the impact on staff morale at the PCOB. The PCOB staff has been through a lot in the last few years. And, And I think this kind of period where you don't know what the leadership is going to be, you don't know what the policy direction the organization is going to be is very difficult for the staff. People have to keep doing their job, and it certainly has an impact on on recruiting. And I just I hope this period can be minimized. But in terms of why I fear it could be long, you know, as, I, as you kind of alluded to, I think you know there there's a, a process for appointing PCOB board members on the SEC's website, and I think a polite word for it would be convoluted. First, they're supposed to identify four people for each vacant slot. So that's 20 people in this case. And then the chairman reviews that list and can strike people and add people to it. Then background checks are supposed to be performed on the survivors. And there's supposed to be up to three people left and each commissioner, you know, interviews those three people. Well, here we're talking about five spots, three people. So that's 15 people and five interviews. 75 interviews, that may take some time. And then each commissioner is supposed to rank their 
selections and indicate who they couldn't go along with. The Secretary of the Treasury has, and the Chairman of the Fed have to be consulted. And just, you know, realistically, it's we know that the SEC, like most of Washington, is politically fractured. Whether this can be done by a consensus slate, which the process tries to encourage, or whether it's going to be a series of three to two votes, who knows? So, again... I hope it's quick, but it could be long. I mean, do they need to pick all five at once? I mean, would it make sense to tackle one at a time? I mean, do we have any sense of how that might play out? Well, I, I, I certainly don't have any insight to where Chairman Gensler is going with it. Maybe, maybe Lynn does. But I think if, if you look historically, there's been a horse trading aspect to this. You know, the, the commission majority wants certain people and the commission minority wants certain other people. And that would, I think, would argue against appointing people sequentially, because, you you know, you kind of lose your horse trading ability when appointments began to be made. So I, I sort of doubt that that would happen. Well, and that sort of horse trading might actually get the sort of balance that we're hearing from other stakeholders that they want in the board. I don't Lynn, if you want to weigh in on that, I mean, you know, my reporting has found that a balanced mix of experience and perhaps viewpoints is wanted and needed and not necessarily discouraged here. I th- I think you will see all the members uh, named at once. First of all, you've got three board members that are left over. They certainly have the ability to apply for their seats again. Making a, a, a decision here and moving forward would be a positive thing. I think the staff, as Dan mentioned, would view it as a positive thing. And the PCLB board membership from its inception has been viewed from the investor community as a board that has never had a majority of investor-oriented progressive type people on it. And I think that will change. And I think for the first time in the two decade history of the PCLB, you'll see board members who are more progressive, uh, more investor-oriented, more along the lines of the language that's actually in SOX that dictates the type of members that should be on the PCAOB. Two of the existing CPAs on the board have close ties to the big four, and I don't know that there'll be a desire to leave that close tie to the big four on the uh, board itself, uh, there's going to be some change here. And to your point earlier, in terms of having a majority of the board being having an investor perspective or, or more progressive perspective, it's not that those, it's not that members haven't had those perspectives in the past. You're just saying that three out of the five would represent that point of view. Correct. There's been investor, what the investor community would view as investor oriented but not a majority. And so you will definitely see that flip this time. And whether it flips to a 3-2 type vote or uh, they do what the last administration did did and basically made it almost a 4-1 vote, 
uh, we'll see. Dan, you mentioned the morale of the staff itself, but but what about audit firms um, who are waiting for inspections or are in the middle of an enforcement case or are waiting for really important rules to come out? Uh, we have, a, a, what, three rule packages that are currently in the works that are kind of, we, we don't, are, you know, potentially being held up by this changeover? Well, I, I think I, I would draw a, dis- a distinction between some of the things that you mentioned. I, I, as I said earlier, I am concerned about staff morale and, you know, people have to keep doing their job every day in the face of a lot of uncertainty. But uh, despite that concern, I think the inspection process w- w- will go on as, as it as it has been. And I, I don't think the, the firms will see any difference in their inspections because of this this uncertainty about who's going to be on the board permanently. I would say the same thing about enforcement investigations and cases. I don't think those will be affected. Um, you know, standard setting is a little different. I mean, one thing that I that I think is a, a big issue that they need to work on are quality control standards. They've put out a, a concept release on that, but they haven't made any specific proposals. I think it's very important to the future of the of the of the PCOB or oversight of the audit profession, and I'm sure nothing like that. Or I doubt if anything like that will happen until the new board is in place. You know, we we may get to this, but I, I think there are major issues about broadening the scope of the auditor's responsibilities to include things like ESG reporting, uh, key performance indicators, and other other things not part of the traditional financial reporting, and and I. Again, I assume to find out what's going to happen in areas like that, we'll have to wait until the board is in place. So again, I, I, I think the day-to-day trains will keep running on time, but yes, there will be a lot of uncertainty for the profession about these larger changes in policy direction until we actually have a board. I couldn't agree more with uh, Dan on everything he said. Um, and the PCLB has, over the years, had some very good very dedicated staff. So regardless of who's at the top, I think they're the type of people who are going to go do their job and do a good job. And uh, I don't think we'll miss a beat there. Uh, On the standard setting, I agree with Dan on the quality control standards. The difference is that Chairman Dunkey has publicly said that he was going to adopt new standards that had recently been adopted on an international basis for the firms, but it was the firms themselves who control that international standard setting board. And I think you'll see a new board come in and think twice about, again, adopting standards that the firms themselves wrote. What what about uh, China? I mean, there's a rule out for comment this summer that deals with the lack of inspection access in, in China. I mean, do we expect there to be much change in the trajectory of, of that process? I mean, the PCOB isn't really in the driver's seat with that. There's a law. It's related to an SEC requirement. Um, there's some hope maybe that this, this situation will change. But is that likely? I mean, are we likely to see a lot of change in direction in terms of the approach to audit access in China? This is really triggered out of a section of SOX that I actually drafted and wrote. What you saw with the congressional legislation that was adopted within the last two years 
is just an outcome of the fact that China, who the PCOB has negotiated with in very good faith for the last, you know, dozen plus years, almost since its inception, uh, China is not negotiating good faith. And so I don't see any change. I don't see the Chinese changing one iota and they just continue to say no. So I think you will see the law go into effect. Uh, the PCLB will have to stay in lockstep with that law. It's not the PCLB that's driving it. It's Congress that's taken the lead and driven it here. And uh, I think we'll, we very well could see eventually uh, sooner rather than later, some Chinese companies have to delist from the U.S. capital markets because you just can't rely upon whether they're telling you the truth in their financial statements or not. And why we would continue to leave a company listed on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ when you can't tell if their numbers are true or not is beyond me. Well, I just put it this way. I, I just... I. I, I agree with Lynn. I think the bottom line is this is an issue that won't be affected by a change in the board because it's just beyond the PCOB's ability to, to control it. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about these incoming board members. If you could have a, a bug in, Dan, in um, Chairman Gensler's ear, what, what would you tell him? What attributes should these board members have? I mean, Lynn, you mentioned an investor perspective, um, perhaps a more progressive perspective. But beyond that, does it do, do they need to be CPAs? Uh, can they be members of Congress or congressional staffers? I mean, what what kinds of experiences sh- should these folks have? There's been a lot of debate over the experience and qualifications of the past board. We're moving ahead. There's going to be new folks. What should what <laughs> what should those resumes look like? Well, socks socks lays some of this out. First of all, socks says two have to be CPAs, so that's not an option. Uh, and the, the chair uh, and the other two are non-CPAs and the chair can only be a CPA if he or she has been out of the profession and retired from practicing accounting for a period of at least five years. Yeah, I mean, I think every, everybody should have some demonstrated history or commitment to investor protection and confidence in, in audited financial reporting. I, you know, beyond that, a, a mix of people I think is is desirable. It's good to have people with some background in investing, auditing, certainly good to know something about auditing if you're gonna regulate the auditing profession, financial reporting, securities regulation broadly. The thing I would emphasize, and this is much less tangible, but particularly, when you, Look at kind of the the history of the PCOB, or at least the the recent history. I would also want people that are open to other viewpoints, w- willing to listen and work with their colleagues, will, willing to listen to the views of those affected by the PCOB's work that maybe have different backgrounds than the individual does, and not people that are coming in seeing themselves just as advocates for any one point of view. Because I, I, th- I think that just leads to kind of division and and bad chemistry between board members that we've seen occasionally in the last few years. We also, though, need someone at the top who has some strategic vision 
uh, is good on strategy, is good at management, is a proven leader. Uh, you mentioned congressional staff. Congressional staff haven't run organizations when they come off the staff of some particular senator or representative. They just don't have that skill set. And I don't think that plays well for some of these agencies when all we do is stuff them full of congressional staff. I think that has a very negative outcome on the operation of our government and would hope that uh, with the new board membership, they steer away uh, from that. Let's go get some people who are, you know, quite frankly, some very sharp people, maybe run businesses or run asset managers in the past that know how to govern and manage an organization uh, like this. And I'd like to see some people with stature. You know, when we put on the put together the first um, board after the initial hiccup, um, Bill Don Donaldson, then the SEC chair, uh, brought in Bill McDonough, the former head of the Fed, who had quite the reputation for running the New York Fed. And I think we need someone. It'd be nice if we could get five members that had the stature of a Bill McDonough. But certainly, I think we need to see that, at least with the chair. That was Lynn Turner, former chief accountant at the SEC, and Dan Gelzer, a former member of the PCAOB. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And share your thoughts with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by me, Amanda Icone, and David Schultz. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. For our next season of Uncommon Law, we're looking at the regulatory future of big tech. The giants need to be broken up. Facebook, Google, all of them. Is big tech impinging on your right to free speech? They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter. Misinformation, disinformation. It's like a big Venn diagram. We do not want to become the arbiters of truth. We're calling this series Unchecked. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.